Welcome to another episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope to enlighten and inspire you each week with a new message from God brought to you by Pastor Dale Walker and other special guests. You can follow along with today's sermon in the Bible app or by visiting our website at hftw.church. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Amen. I love that testimony. Well, I'm excited to share the word with you. If you see in your sermon notes, we're talking about unleashing the power of God connections. And just what an incredible blessing comes to our life when we learn to walk in unity with each other. How good and pleasant it is, isn't it? When we gather and are able to walk in in relationships that are Christ-centered, But I wanted to say how good and pleasant it is and sometimes how hard and challenging it is. Can I get an amen? (laughs) That sometimes relationships are not simply uh, things that are wonderful. Sometimes they are warfare. (laughs) We often say around here, if you don't learn to fight for your family, you will fight with your family. (laughs) So uh, which would you prefer? And, And we've learned that part of building great relationships is learning how to pray and, and, and be aware of, of the spiritual aspect of resolving conflict and difficulties. Our, our scripture today is in Ephesians 4.22. If we could just read that and uh, very powerful words. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Guess what? The old you won't work in the new relationships God has for you, okay? (laughs) Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. He's going to tell you, if you want to have great relationships, I'm going to talk about later, you got to throw away your old ammunition bag, (laughs) things you used to use for conflict. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, Going on, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Read this one with me. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I want to hone in on that phrase. uh, When you're angry, don't sin. Don't don't let the sun go down on your anger and give a foothold to the devil. How how many have found this out, that you can be having a normal relationship with people, and if you're not careful, the devil can hijack that relationship? Uh, All of a sudden, Maybe almost before you even knew it was going to happen, the wolf shows up in a conversation. You know what I'm talking about? And, and all of a sudden, what was going to be a wonderful time uh, begins to be filled with conflict. And I learned this, and I've shared this early in my marriage. Uh, 
Sharon and I, my wife, we went out on a beautiful date. It was so awesome. And we decided to stop by Walmart and get a few things before we went home. How I many all spiritual warfare happens in Walmart? But anyhow, <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but we were just talking. It was great. And I said something, something effective, you know, how much money are you going to spend? Uh, how many know the devil can twist your words? And he came across like, you're always spending all our money. You're going to break me. I don't know what it came across as. And then she said something about, well, her dad was generous. All of a sudden, I felt full of shame, like I'm a cheapskate. What's wrong with me? And, and, then, and then we go to check out. We go to the car, and we don't say a word to each other. She sits one side. I'm leaning out the window his way. You guys look real spiritual, but you've done this too. Okay. And we get home. I go to one side of the house. She goes to the other side of the house. And, uh, and I'm over there, and I just start to pray. I don't know. Lord, change that woman. I don't know what I'm praying. <laughs> but God speaks to me, and he, he basically says, and it was so clear to me, you just let the devil steal your lunch. I mean, you just let an incredible evening be hijacked. You know you didn't have to do that. And it just hit me. And I remember going and apologizing. We prayed together. We said, devil, you are not going to have our marriage. And you know, the Lord just, just healed that we had a wonderful evening. This, this is why I call this message today. Don't give the devil a place at your table. Don't let him move in. Don't rent a room to the devil, amen, <laughs> in your marriage or your, your home. Uh, Louis Giglio wrote a great book called Don't you know, don't give the devil a place at your table. And he kind of told a story how he was taking his wife out for this anniversary, like their 25th, something like that. It was romantic, candlelight and everything. And all of a sudden, this stranger just walks over to them and says, are you Louis Guglio, you know? And he says, yeah. And he says, hey, how are you doing? And he talks to him. And, and it was good. But all of a sudden, the guy just sits down at their table, light with the candlelight and everything else. And in the most loving way, he says, well, you know, this is our anniversary, and I can talk to you, email me or something. The guy won't stop. He just starts, he says, I want to talk to you about one of your messages. He goes on and on and on. And literally, Louis has to stand up. He says, sir, I'm going to need to ask you to leave. This is our anniversary. And the Lord just showed him a verse. Many of you are familiar with Psalms 23, 4. It says, the Lord will set a table before us in the presence of our enemy, and the cup runs over. And, and the picture of this is beautiful. Number one, if you're a Christian, the Lord sets a table for you, and he's sitting at that table. Isn't it amazing? We get to sit at a table with Jesus, and here's Jesus, here's our beloved, our, our bride, here's our family, and it's just, it's just beautiful. But what's interesting, it says, he sets this table in the presence of his enemies. How many would rather it say, he sets a table for us and there's no enemies anywhere around? But you see, he's giving us a picture of something we've got to understand about relationships. And that is, as long as we're in this world, this is a battlefield. And I want you just to see this. Here's Jesus. We have him. He's serving a feast. Man, it's unbelievable, the potential that the Lord is in our families, oh my gosh. But right around the table 
are these scowling demons. You know, there's over here is divorce and addiction and jealousy. Now, they've already been defeated at the cross of Jesus. You don't have to let them sit anywhere near your table. But the Bible says, if in your anger, you make the wrong choice, you know what you do? You, you go, hey, come over here. Here, I'm giving you a chair right there. You can give a foothold to the devil. You can allow him to hijack and to begin to bring brokenness and shame or whatever. Some things in your notes, the Bible teaches. Luke 17, one says, in offenses will come. The Bible says something interesting. One thing you got about to know about your your walk with the Lord, notice that offenses will certainly come. This is a promise, okay? I like to say it this way. There will be times you will be stung. I think of bees, all right? Some, sometimes you're gonna get a little sting. Ooh, that hurt. And sometimes you're gonna get bit. Sometimes the wolf is gonna show up. Anybody here ever get avalanched in a relationship? I didn't see that coming. Now, now he warns us about this because how we respond in those moments of our life determines the whole future of whether we will ever make connections that really last. In fact, Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, 10, he's talking about the last days and he says, you know, you think of, you know, the Antichrist and all this. This is what he says. He says, and then shall many be offended. Somebody say many be offended and shall betray one another. Many false prophets shall come and rise and many shall hate each other. And it, and it says the love, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. In other words, you know, when you think of the end times, you think of the dangers, you know, and again, you think somebody's gonna try to put a chip in my forehead or what. He says, no, I wanna tell you the most devastating thing that's gonna happen at the end of time, and that is many Christians are gonna get offended and they're gonna get bitter and their love is gonna get cold because they let some little thing, they let the devil get a seat at their table. How many have ever known somebody? They were serving the Lord and it wasn't the devil in a pitchfork. It wasn't the devil terrorizing, no. It was the devil just giving a little, using a little word somebody said that stung them. And that was it. They're not serving the Lord anymore. And, and so what he's telling us is, is, is be ready. Uh, John Bevere wrote it and he called the bait of Satan. How many know the enemy loves to troll people? <laughs> and all you got to do is look at Facebook, but whatever it is. But he's just, he's just saying, did you hear what they said? What is he doing? He casting a lure. You're coming back to church. It's been a long time. And, and, and sure enough, somebody says something to you. Well, what did they mean by that? Uh, you know, what, is, what, what are they doing over there? And all of a sudden, how many know it's easy to take the bait? <laughs> and it takes you, it takes you down. Just a little root of bitterness, the Bible says, has spoiled many. And so what it tells us is to be ready. 
be ready because you don't have to let that happen. How many know conflict does not have to ruin relationships? Conflict can make relationships stronger. In fact, I'm not teaching you today conflict resolution. I'm teaching you conflict transformation where you go through a conflict and you come out stronger than you were before you went into it. That's what the Bible talks about. Because in love, you let God teach you. You let God humble you. Um, there's something very interesting, Nehemiah 4, 7. And I preached a few years ago on, on rebuilding the wall, and it's so relevant at this time. In the old days, uh, Nehemiah was sent on a mission back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's walls had been torn down, and they had become a laughingstock of all of the people. And Nehemiah was sent to, to rebuild the walls. The walls represent connection. For, for years, the Jews had lived in this sort of pseudo-community. There wasn't really any connection with each other. The enemy was just really taking charge over them. And now they were going to do what we're doing. They're going to start a love illusion. They're going to start trying to build relationships and make it real. Well, in the middle of it, <clears throat> all of a sudden, their enemies freak out. How many know Satan hates unity? <laughs> the moment he sees you taking a second step, the moment he sees you, wow, you're going to really connect? You mean you're going to put God in the middle of your marriage? Call out the big arms, man. We got to stop this. And look what it says. Now it happened when Sembalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, all these enemies, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites and the Termites, whoever it was, heard that the walls... <laughs> of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. Now, that, isn't that prophetic? You know what the Lord's doing right now? He's closing the gaps. The enemy became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And because they rallied and they prayed and they fought, the, the wall was finished in just two weeks. It was a miracle. Now, let me just tell you something about relationship. All, all great relationships go through three phases. The first is, I'll just call it this, the, the honeymoon stage. The belief stage where you believe, oh, this is wonderful. You know, you remember that, that in marriage, we've only just begun. Quiet lace, and I won't sing it for you. But it's almost like, Oh, this is just incredible. Oh, my gosh. Same thing happens with Christians, with church, with this is so good. But that's just the first stage. The next stage is the battle stage. For some of you in marriage, that was about three days later. I don't know how long it took. <laughs> but, but immediately, what is happening? Now, you think this is awful. No. The battle stage is strategic. Why? In the belief stage, you get the vision. In the battle stage, you learn the tools. That's why we do love after marriage. If you don't have the tools for conflict, it will destroy you. But if you have the tools, it will make you stronger. <laughs> and, and you know what the neat thing about the battle stage is? You're actually closer to the third stage, which is the breakthrough stage, than you were when you started. And the third stage is when you go through the fire, I will be with you. 
And when you go through the fire, you'll be refined. And you will never see the greatness of a relationship until the enemy tried to sabotage it. And you didn't let him defeat you. And you humbled yourself and you prayed and, and God gave you the answer and you went through it and you said, it, it was terrible. And then you came to the other side and you say, oh my gosh, we are stronger, we are better than we've ever been before. Can I tell you the moment in that battle stage, you begin to, to say, Jesus, I'm not gonna let the devil take over and you turn to the Lord. You know what happens? God fights for you. You know, all of a sudden, Jesus is at the table, and you sit down the chair, and you said, oh, Lord, I messed up, and now the enemy's here, and, and, and Lord, I give it to you. The Lord says, don't worry, I'll take care of this. <laughs> and, and he steps. How many know Jesus is the champion of turning breakups into makeups? <laughs> you know, into horrible disconnects, into incredible reconnects. That's what he does. He sets a table in the presence of the conflict. He says, I've got a victory for you. And it's so close if you look to me. So how do we go to a, a breakdown to a breakthrough, all right? <laughs> uh, how do we get the enemy out of our table? Number one, recognize the enemy when he shows up. Um, the Bible over and over tells us to not... Be surprised when a trial comes. Some people are shocked. No, be prepared. Be alert, 1 Peter 5, 8, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, what he's saying is, another place, Jesus says these famous words, if you knew a thief was coming, you would be ready, huh? If you knew sometime tonight there's a thief coming to steal everything in your garage, guess what? You wouldn't say, I wonder how, and you wouldn't just fall asleep. You would say, oh, we're, we're ready. Can I tell you what Jesus said? The thief is coming. I hate to tell you this. I'm your friend. The thief is coming. With your children, with the body of Christ. But it's okay because you can prepare. You can be alert and, and how does the enemy come? Number one, first, he comes through your reactions. He, he comes through, through hijacking your emotions. How many know in a conversation, that's why he says, be angry and sin not. How many know that when you're in a situation where all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you feel threatened, these involuntary things start happening inside you. They call it fright, fight, or flight. <laughs> All of a sudden, inside of you, you start getting big. You get ready to run. You get ready to fight. Can I tell you what else happens? Your brain goes out the window. How many know how stupid you can be when you're mad? I mean, it's just like, what was I thinking? David, there's a story about Nabal, and this guy just insults him. He goes and gets his army, and he's ready to shed the blood of thousands of people because and Abigail steps in and says, wait, David. And he says, oh, thank God for you. I was about to commit the horrible sin. I was about to let the wolf take over here. And, and it's, it's in our emotional reactions to things 
that we suddenly have to be aware. I heard a funny story, this guy's, this cartoon, Amos and Andy, and, and, and Amos says, Andy, you know that guy who's always picking on me? I got him this time. He says, he says you know, he's always punching me in the chest. He says, look, I planted a bomb under my shirt. <laughs> and the next time he pokes me, he's going to blow his hand off, you know? How many know that's how smart revenge is? I'm going to take it. Yeah, you're, you're about to blow yourself up. Congratulations. Now, what the Bible says, James 1.19, we read it last week, be slow to it. Can I tell you the fastest way to resolve a conflict? Go slow. Fast will destroy you. <laughs> and in fact, I'm going to give you four words that could, could save your hide. All right, here you go. When emotions start, here's the four S's. Number one, go slow. Go small, go soft, and go surrender. What do I mean by that? Slow means push the pause button. You're about to react. Can I tell you, the first 10 seconds that your blood pressure goes up, it's strategic. If you can recognize somewhere in the first 10 seconds that something is starting, you can push a pause button. Number two, go small. Why? Because you want to go big. No. Jesus, humble. Go small. Humble yourself. Tell me what's going on, you know. Go soft. What does Proverbs 17? It says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Turn the volume all the way down. And then go surrender. What do I mean? Jesus, help me. Jesus, Jesus, help me. This will, will cause the enemy. One of the things I, I love about the verse we just read, verse 28, it says, get rid of all wrath, anger, malice, slander. You know what he's telling us? If you really want relationships, there you're, you're going to have to go and have what I call go to an ammunition dump and take out of your bag all of the ways that you learned to respond to, to, to dicey situations before you knew Jesus. Because you've got all of this ammunition. Guess what your reaction will be? It'll be to go for the old ammunition. Anger, slander, hate. Can I tell you what it means to be a Christian? Can I just, can we get real here? It means you somewhere came to the altar and you said, all of the old weapons I have now retired. I am burying every regret, every grenade I ever had <laughs> at the cross of Jesus. I don't have those anymore because my old self is dead. I do not, those are no longer a go-to part. Those are not in my bag. Shaming people, that's not in my bag. Gossiping is not in my bag anymore. I have intentionally de-armed, de-mined. There's no more minds under this emotional being of mine. I have de-mined them all. I got them all out and I took them to the cross of Jesus and I got to take them there. I want to ask you, do you have a peace plan for your marriage? Don't wait till you're mad to figure out what's the way we're going to make up here. No, I want you to challenge you to write. What's my peace plan? When I get mad, oh yeah, Slow, small, soft, surrender. Oh, yeah, I got my peace plan. I, got, I know exactly what I'm going to do the next time the devil comes because I pre-planned 
my response. See, you put the armor on before the battle, right? Not too late afterwards. Put it on. Don't put gasoline on the fires like, like I like to say it. Had a, had a weird situation. My son, I won't tell you which one, but his name is Joey. Anyhow, he came over. <laughs> And we were trying to get a fire started in our fireplace outside our camp thing, and, and it just was wet and couldn't do it. So he decided to go get the gas container and a plastic one, and he's going to help the fire. And he poured it out. Sure enough, and he threw that thing. And, and I said, grandkids, that's what you never do, okay? <laughs> but, but what I want to say is how many know you can tell when the sparks are starting? Don't pick up a gas can. When, when you sense it, can I tell you one way people pick up the gas can? It's called gossip. They, they, somebody else is offended, and what do they do? Hey, I got some gasoline. Call me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pour some gasoline on your offense. Thanks a lot. Now we get the whole church offended. Hallelujah. No. No, throw it away. Get the water. Get the fire department because you see it coming. Pray in the spirit. So I, I'm sensing this could, be, this could be dangerous, but not this time. The second way the enemy comes, he comes number one by your reaction, number two by your reflection, by your thoughts. I want, I want you to hear there's two waves the enemy brings disaster. The first is your emotions. But you know, that goes away pretty quick. But the one that's the most deadly is your ruminations, your thoughts. The Bible is very clear that the battle for everything in our spiritual life is in our thoughts. In fact, he says, don't let the devil have a stronghold. Do you know what the word stronghold means in the Bible? It means a mindset. Now, how do, how do mindsets get started that destroy families? They, they start after something happens and we begin to reflect on it. How many know the devil's called the accuser of the brethren? It's not that something happened, but now you start to think and you mull it over in your mind. How many know the devil loves to play old tapes? He's, he's the original DJ. He likes just to play that song again. And he likes to create these things. Let me just give you some mindsets. Obviously, the victim mindset. You're that person getting tied to the railroad track and that terrible, dirty person, and let's watch the rerun of that again. And then you hear voices like, never trust anybody. See, how do you know if the devil's getting at your table? He's always speaking thoughts like that. Don't let anyone ever get close to you again. You know what he's doing? He's saying, can I pull up a chair? Can I pull up a chair? Hey, could I hijack this right now? Here, here's another mindset. I call it the librarian, remembering everything that's ever happened. I remember one lady was saying about her husband. He said, well, why don't you tell him what's hurting? He says, no, I can't talk to my husband about bad things. He gets, hysteri he gets historical. She said, no, you mean hysterical. No, I mean historical. He brings up the whole past. You know what I'm saying? How many know people who get historical on you? Okay. They never forget. And then there is what I call the critical mindset. Did you know somebody who used to think you, 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 you know, you put the moon in the sky and now all they can see is faults in you? Why? 
that is called in the Bible a root of bitterness. You no longer can see them through the eyes of God because you have swallowed the poison of hate. And now everything they do is wrong. When that happens in a marriage, there will either be deliverance or divorce. It's just a matter of time. There's mindsets that are things like I call the awfulizer. They take little things and they make a big deal. They keep remembering that. Well, what did they mean by that? What did they mean by that? I, I don't know what they did. Well, they just said, hmm, well, maybe they mean I hate you. Well, I don't know if they mean that. There, there is this whole thing of what I call false expectation. Can I tell you what the devil loves? I've had this happen every day. Well, I expected them to be at my birthday party. I'm going to remind you that they weren't at your birthday party for the next 30 years. <laughs> Anybody know that voice? I'm trying to help you know your enemy. And they come in your mind. Why? Because if your mind becomes full of strongholds, you can never have whole relationships. Can I tell you the beginning of incredible relationships? It's called become a thought warrior. Someone, see, you know what the Bible says love does? Love believes the best at all times. You, you don't show people love in the moment. You show people love first in your thoughts. Later, you'll show them in your speech. But if you don't love people in your thoughts, you won't love them in your speaking. The battle is always here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, hey, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is right, choose those thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verses 3 to 5 says, this is, this is how you love. Look at this one. This is great. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, it says, it says that our minds, we do not fight with weapons of this world, okay? On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what I call being a thought warrior. It's like when you, you don't just take your thoughts. When a thought comes to the door, you don't just let it come in. You don't just let the devil come in and throw trash all over your living room. When a thought comes in, you say, wait a second. Thought, identify yourself. Oh yeah, I'm hate. <laughs> I'm prejudice. I thought I'd visit today. No, you are not coming in here today. I am not letting you defile what I believe about my friend at church. You, you're, you're coming to accuse him. You're coming to remind me of her faults, but I am reminding you that Jesus Christ died for their sins. They are forgiven. They are righteous. They are chosen. They are beautiful. And I am fighting for who they are in Christ, not for what you're accusing them of becoming. And you stand, and that's where you resist the devil. Jesus spoke right to the devil. I resist you, devil. You give behind. You will not slander my wife in my mind another minute in the name of Jesus. I nail that thought to the cross. It has no right. It has no authority. Devil, you cannot come to my table now in Jesus' name. <laughs> See, sometimes you got to get big with the devil. See, I, I believe it says... Be angry and sin not. How? Instead of getting angry at people, get angry at the devil. 
and then you won't sin. You'll overcome. And, and, and just because of time, let me go to the last one. The key is not only to, you know, recognize the enemy, resist the enemy, um, refuse to remember and think the thoughts of the enemy, but literally reframe the way you're thinking, is what I call it, about people. And then fourthly, release the hurt and frustration towards people through the power of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says it this way. Do you want to keep the enemy out of your life? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, this, this whole idea of forgiveness, let me just define forgiveness. It means to let go. It means to refuse to carry a resentment. It means to cancel a debt. It means to lose someone from a judgment or false expectation on their life. Someone says, Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and discovering it was you. It is canceling whatever sentence, whatever judgment you put on their life, just as Jesus did for you. He did not condemn you. While you and I were sinners, while we were far from God, he forgave us. He stood there at the cross, nailed to it and said, Father, forgive them. Can I just uh, say something about forgiveness that I think is so powerful? Because today, what I want to leave with you is not just forgiveness as an act, but walking in a spirit of forgiveness. See, forgiveness for Jesus was not just an option he could decide on. It was a pre-made decision that he had settled on. Can I tell you what's difficult about a lot of people's forgiveness. They're waiting till something happens and then they have the option to forgive. Guess what? If you have given yourself an option whether to forgive or not forgive, someday something's gonna happen, you won't forgive. But if you gave up your option when you follow Jesus and forgiveness becomes your pre-made decision, I am a forgiver because Jesus forgave me. Now you're operating on what I call the spirit of forgiveness. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Forgiveness is the fortitude to remember truth, to understand, to submit to God. To forgive is to make the choice that enables us to move on in time and not get stuck in our past. But don't you love the spirit of forgiveness? I walk in the spirit of forgiveness. This is a great verse, John 14, 30. You talk about a spirit of forgiveness. And what I want you to know about this verse is this. This is Jesus right after he comes out of the garden of Gethsemane. What has he done there? He's fought for relationships. He's faced all that was gonna happen. He was just hours from betrayal. Judas was gonna betray him. He was going to be nailed to the cross. Every, every vile thing a human could do to him was about to happen to him. 
But in the garden, he gave it to God. He said, God, not my will. He says, God, I'm giving this to you. God, I am not going to let my heart get bitter. I am not going to let myself become a victim of human evil. I am not going down the road of letting people determine my spiritual health and allow me to be filled with bitterness and hate of any kind. And so when he gets to this point, he says to his disciple, I will not say much more to you for the prince of the world, this world is coming. But look what it says. He has no hold over me. You know what he's saying? I can't help what happens to me, but I can take responsible for what happens in me. I will not let the enemy have a seat at my table. I will not allow a script of bitterness and hate to come into my life. And then he just stood. And then when he was crucified, he just says, Father, forgive me. You know what he was saying? This will not turn my heart away from the world. I will love them. And it was that faith that was so powerful that it, it did what we, we can say. It, it, it reframed and changed the whole experience. It took a crucifixion and made it a resurrection. It is that spirit in your relationships that, that take conflict, that take difficulty, that take the time when you want to give up in a relationship. And it seems too hard to talk, but you've already decided in your heart, no, I am putting on love. I walk in love through Jesus Christ. And I am not going to take any bait of Satan in this situation. I am standing in agreement with God to forgive. We're going to walk through this. God's going to redeem this relationship. We're going to see the other side. I will not yield to bitterness. I will stand in Jesus' name, and I will overcome this by faith. I will believe for the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Joseph, when he was faced with his brothers, he had been sold into Egypt, betrayed by his brothers. And when they came many years later, now Joseph is the prime minister of, of Egypt, and now he's feeding the world because he, he had been promoted from prison to prince. And his brothers finally come, and they think he's going to kill them, but he forgives them. And they're, they're surprised at this. And then in Genesis 50, 20, he, he gives them the reason. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Brothers, not, the reason I could forgive you is because my future was not in your hands. What you could do could never have the final verdict in my life. My future was in God's hands. When I forgave, when I believed, I knew that God would take what had happened to me. God would redeem it. God would turn it around. And through that faith, I forgave you because I knew God had a bigger plan. 
I, I did it not by my effort, but by putting my eyes on God. I, I looked at him, and, and this is what I want to hear. You don't get faith like that by trying to forgive. You get it by noticing you're sitting with Jesus, and he says, look at me. Look in my eyes. Worship me. I, you can't do this on your own, but I've got the faith you need. I've got the grace you need for this relationship. You just keep your eyes on me. Fellowship with me. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come and just drink from my presence right now. I have enough grace for this hurt. I have enough faith for you. If you don't get your eyes on the enemy, if you don't let him take you back into the library, you keep your eyes on Jesus, then this author of faith will put in you the ability to believe that no matter what has happened, he is going to be for you and he's going to make a way for you. He's going to redeem it, amen. I love this phrase I've shared before with Pastor Larry Lee said, and it's just so beautiful because it's such a warfare. He says, when this offense comes, he says, don't curse it, don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, disperse it, and God will reverse it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me say that again. Don't curse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Disperse it, and God will reverse it. And I challenge someone today who has a thorn of offense in your heart. God wants to disperse it and reverse it. You are called to walk in love. Can I tell you why I believe God allows conflict more than anything? It's to test our faith and our commitment. He's asking a question today. Do you really mean it? Oh, yeah, it was easy to say your connection. Love, love, love. Yeah. But how about when it gets so hard what about when you get hurt and ripped off? Was that just a nice little Christianese thing, or, or is that what you really mean? Will you stand in the middle of, of your hardest battle and say, in the middle of this, I will forgive. I will go forward. I will stand. I will believe. In the middle of what we're talking about as a church, don't be surprised if the enemy is going to come and start trying everything he can because he is mad as all get out. Because if this church becomes one, the world will know who Jesus is. We're going to play a song, and we've done this a couple times, but it's just such a good song of declaration. They can start playing it. And I want to ask you to respond in this way. Number one, to recommit. I recommit to a walk of love today to disperse your hurts, to become thought warriors, and to decide this moment, I'm fighting for my life and my family and my church. Let's stand. Let's just begin to sing along with this as the worship team comes. With heaven's authority, we take back our destiny as we belong. Come on, sing.
sing it again. Hey. I speak to the enemy. I can't, can't have my family. We belong to the Lord. With heaven's authority. Take back our destiny. We belong to the I just pray over you, bless you. I'm going to ask our prayer teams, as just we close this service, some of you need to just a breakthrough today. You're in the battle. And I, I just, we want to pray for you. And some of you just come and say, in Jesus' name, God, give me the grace to break through what we're going through and believe God and to forgive and release, to take captive these thoughts and imaginations that have been poisoning me. God, I commit today, I'm not going back to a life of division, a life of separations and bringing in little cliques and judging people and gossiping and creating our little camps. I'm not going back there. I'm going into unity. We're going into love. We're going into victory. We believe that you'll take these these battles and turn them into breakthroughs. Today I declare someone is going to go from a breakup to a makeup. Someone is going to see God come. And if there's someone here just needs to put Jesus at the center of your family, would you do it right now? Say, God, I need to let Jesus be in the charge of my life. Just talk to him right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you control of my life. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and lead me from here. Our prayer teams are here. If you would like to stay, please come. The Lord bless you and keep you. Have an amazing week in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. 
We hope that today's message has reignited your faith and inspired you in ways that you may have never thought possible. We encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on all of our social media. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.